Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This recording may contain content unsuitable for children. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. My name's Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from dastardly dark mantles to derogatory demons. And today we have a special guest from MD Comics, Woody Arnold. Introduce yourself, Woody. Hi, yeah, I'm Woody Arnold. I, I, I work with, well, I, I have my own company, MD Comics. Actually, it's Miniature Dragon Comics. And then I'm also part of uh, Thunderfrog Studios out of Seattle. Okay, and what are we talking about today, Woody? Well, we're going to talk about storytelling and RPGs. Prepare yourselves. I cast Fireball. The Dungeon Cast. All right. Excellent, excellent. I'm super into it. Um, hey, Woody, what, uh, tell me a little bit about the studio you're working at. Well, uh, Thunderfrog Studios, um, it's kind of funny name because, like, when you're in comics, you don't actually work out of a studio these days. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you, know, you, you work from your desk at home. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Thunderfrog Studios is a um, comic company out of Seattle that's been around a while, and it's kind of like a, a local and smaller version of uh, Image Comics. And so I would be kind of like a top cow. Like, a lot of us have our own label un- underneath the main company. And okay. so, you know, we, we do stuff with Thunderfrog and we do our own projects. Very cool, very cool. Okay, well, um, let's get into some content. Um, so you said you had uh, about 30 years of, uh, of GMing experience. That's pretty impressive. That's my best estimate. I mean, I started <laughs> in 13, I'm 42 now. So it, it basically works out to about that much. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of experience behind the screen. Yeah, considering all, all the BS I've had to deal with other players, is probably more like fifteen years. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I feel you there. Have you had a player in particular that you uh, has burned their mark into your mind? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, it's all been good and bad. You, you, you know, the, the the players that are, that are trouble usually are also brilliant. Ah. So you know, like. Like, 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 like this one guy I can think of had this one incident one time where they were we were doing a science fiction story in uh, Robotech, and they they, they had, um, you know, the, the, this ship that that was kind of dead in space. They got on board the ship and found, you know, like, like, like the captain 
basically been experimented on and gone crazy. He was sitting there with a grenade right next to the reactor core. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. The, yeah, he was like, I'm going to blow it up. Anyways, the player <laughs> who, who had, um, you know, who's like the classic trouble player, got the brilliant idea of taking off his helmet, basically rushing the guy, which, of course, gets him to drop the grenade, and he slams the grenade down with his helmet. Technically, the helmet could take the damage. Okay. It also became a miniature missile. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. It'll propel that shit out into space. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. But, like, it was a smart move because it contained the blast. Like, it it basically, logically, would would have prevented the, 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 you know, like, you basically slam slam it against a bulkhead, and yeah, it's going to go flying, but that, but that, you know, helmet going at Mach 1 isn't actually going to damage, you know, the reactor. Right, like, like the last would have. grenade would have. Right, right. Gotcha. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, I let him have it. I also gave him a concussion. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it sounds like in your experience of DMing, you got a lot of sci-fi under, under your belt rather than uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Do you want to talk about what kind of games, what, what like, style of RPGs you've DMed or GMed before? Yeah. I, you know, I, I did a lot of sci-fi stuff earlier on because that, that, that's more my thing, you know. Right, definitely. But uh, I've had, but I started with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, advanced D and D. Um, so, so I, so I've, I've, I actually had the D and D Redbox when I was a kid. Oh, it, it, it wasn't that old, you know, um, when, when, when I first started playing, and so that's really quite familiar. Uh, to me, though, you know, the more you get into it, the more interested you are in, in more complex opportunities, you know. And then, as soon as I discovered there was a sci-fi game out there, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. But um, you know, I have a rule that I don't play the same genre twice or back to back, right? Right. So, like, if we did a sci-fi game, my next one is not a sci-fi game. Like, like right now, we are. Um, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm away. I'm away from home right now. But when I left, we were. I was running a Star Wars game, and nice. um, and we're, I'll finish that when I get back. But the next game I plan to, to, to do, um, which I won't be jamming it, but because but, I'm kind of like getting around to wanting to play some now, but uh, we're also, the, the, the next game we were talking about doing was the fifth edition um, with, with the Magic of the Gathering uh, Zendikar setting. Oh, nice. That'd oh, be really sweet. cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if, if I'd known that that existed, we might have been doing that instead. <laughs> I see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, that—that—that's actually something where, like, for years, you know, a lot of people have been um, have been talking about, you know, doing Magic Gathering with D and D, and then after after uh, they got, you know, they got bought by Wizards of the Coast, and like, people are like, no, we'll never do it. But then now they're doing it. And I think it's a smart move because, you know, you you do have the problem with the business model that WotC was running on is let's sell core books. When run a core books, let's let's do a new edition. Right. And you know. Um, Economically, the fourth edition was a success, but but critically, it was a flop. And right. you know, if you look back to the old TSR model, they made their money off of modules and world information. And and if you come around and look at now, they have this all these worlds with yeah. with um you know with Magic the Gathering, like like they they could run, they could be selling source books based on that content for twenty years and never run out of stuff. Yeah, and they have the license like, like, to we, it, we, so why yeah, not we use it? Years of fifth edition with that alone. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you you're a storyteller. You tell a story. Um, you tell stories uh, as your career, and on top of it, you have all this experience uh, dungeon mastering. So, what what would you say are the biggest similarities? And then we'll get into what are some of the biggest differences between storytelling when you're just writing a story and storytelling when you're dungeon mastering a game. Well, for me, they're not any different actually, mm-hmm. because 
you know, when, 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 when you're running the dungeon mastering or, or from my perspective, GMing, um, you, you know, you have, you have the situation where you have to start learning how to compartmentalize identities and, you, you know, it's it, it's kind of like being schizophrenic, but not crazy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so you, you have to get good at mocking up people and, you know, adding personalities to people. And I discovered that after a while, when I, when, when I, when I was writing a story, I could very easily step into the mindset of the of the characters I'm creating. And in a lot of ways, when, when I really get going, the story kind of flows in the terms of, what would this person do in that situation? And there, there's kind of an organic writing process. Like you always, you have to. I'm a firm believer in knowing the ending before you write the beginning. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to get your characters to the finish line, and you yeah. have this ending in mind. And you know, in the writing process, things, as with a, with a group of your friends, things can go in unexpected directions, and you can find that somehow the story doesn't quite end up where you thought it would. Right. But. Um, Ultimately, the, the the task is is how do you arrange all the pieces so that everything gets to the end without a plot hole? Right, yeah, that's pretty important. <laughs> but at the same time, these people are, you know, they have to be relatable. They have to feel real to the reader. Yes, yeah. And, 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 and have, they have to have qualities that people can identify with. Right. And that's and and so you also have to kind of allow these characters a certain degree of freedom to. You know, because they—they're not really statistics on the page. In a way, they're like—they're alive, kind of like you are. Yeah, right. they live and breathe in this world that you create for them. They—they they run around in it and they make their own decisions. Right, and and so if if you've accomplished that well enough, um, you know, the readers are along for the ride, and they're and and they're interested in what's happening next. Right, and it doesn't matter in one bit how original the story is. It, the question is, is how engaged your readers are. So let me ask you, um, when you have an end game in mind and you have these players that can just run around and do anything, do you ever find them kind of um, taking your end game and, and flipping it on its head? Have you had ever had to like change it up or um, re- reimagine the ending? Because the player that we were just referencing a moment ago did that to me. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> yes, the, the Star Wars game that we're running right now, I'm actually running it because he did that to me. Where I kind of like, <laughs> I'm trying to pick up the plot, the loose plot threads in a different campaign, and at least for me, resolve it. You know, because I, I had a right. really great ending in mind that it never happened. And so I'm. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the danger of being a DM. You can't control. That's the thing. You can control the characters that you write, but you can't control the characters that are being ran by other people. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, if, 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 and if you're good at it, um, at storytelling, mm-hmm. and you have a good enough command of the material, you can steer things in the direction that you want. And if you're really good, the players won't even know that they're being steered. That's right. the trick, isn't it? Right. Um, but but there is a sense that it's free will. And and that's kind of what makes it fun, is that you never really do know where it's going to end up. Yeah. you got to be that invisible hand that guides. Now, I, I agree with you when it comes to the whole uh, kind of knowing your ending before you know your beginning. Uh, most of the campaigns that I have I've started and ran usually started with an idea for this epic ending with this um, nemesis or or bad guy NPC that I had in mind. And I just thought to myself, like, this would be a really cool ending to get a group of players to. So how do I start this? And then that's usually the beginning of my campaign crafting. Yeah, I, I think I think for me, though, like, like, like my, my, my biggest 
failing as, as a game master is just sometimes not pacing them out properly where like the creative drive can die before you get there. Yeah, I see. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, the, the you know, spending five years on, a, on, on one campaign worked when I was 25, but right now it doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, uh, I, you know, it, the thing is, is that I actually, my goal, my ultimate goal in doing this was to become a good storyteller. And what I basically found was that when when I got to the point where I was actually now applying what I had learned to a writing career, um, what what started happening was, was that, that my actual interest in GMing actually declined a little bit. Um, because hmm. I, you know, for me, GMing was the creative outlet. And... And um, now I'm actually able to to create comics that people are reading, and and I'm finding that, that that's actually for me that's like that's the reason why I did it, and that now I'm there, and, right. and then I'm kind of coming back around to well, you know, all these years I didn't get to play. Um, I feel that, yeah. <laughs> now I get to do that a little bit. Of course, then you have the problem of, you know, nobody's ever really as good as you, you know, and and then. And then you have the, some of the people that are don't want to do it, and then, and and then you've got the problem of okay, how do you take the guy that has the drive, and 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 you get him up to the point where he can be as good as he needs to be without clawing your eyes out, yeah, right, <laughs> putting up with some BS, yeah, and you know it's it's. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's why there's a stereotype of the eternal DM. You know, you got that guy who just he's he's always or girl who's always the DM because they're good at it and everyone knows that they're the best at it and everyone else wants to play but they don't want to DM. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's actually funny um, because uh, th- you know, so I, I noticed something one day that when I looked at the viewpoint of okay, so you're, you're in a role playing game and you have a certain viewpoint as a game master but then you look at a guy that went to school maybe he's got a degree now he wants to write a book or, or maybe a guy that just you know has a story that he's really passionate about and you know he's got a good enough handle on grammar to actually make it a good sentence you know right and so those guys they're out there writing books they're writing comics you know they're they're, they're writing thor they're writing doctor strange they're they're writing captain america superman whatever right mm-hmm. and you end up running into this odd thing when you look at superhero comics. They're really bad about this, is that you kind of see these characters running around, and you know you don't seem to get hurt very much. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And the the thing is, is like you know you know yeah they've got torn uniforms and stuff, but <laughs> what you know for me, I the only character that really gets hurt is the one that can take it, like Wolverine. Yeah. Like, right. You, you can abuse that guy. Otherwise, how are you going to show his superpowers? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. That's true. And, and I've noticed that when you're a game master, you have this attitude of, I have to challenge the players. I have to make them feel threatened. I have to hurt them, right? Right. Yes. But, it, but it's, how do you hurt them just enough? Yes, um, without mercilessly killing somebody. <laughs> right. it, it, exactly, right? And so, so how do you hurt them just enough so that they feel like they're in danger, feel like they're threatened? And then then you, you look at a story like a Marvel comic and like these characters run around none of those characters are in any real danger, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Unless they're not. fighting Thanos. But right. It, it, it's like, you know, Superman's fighting Doomsday, but it, it's just, it, you know, when, when what I've been doing is I've basically been taking my comics and I've been giving directions to the artists, like, these guys need to get hurt. And right. 
and I think that that creates a more believable scenario when 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 the characters you're reading about look like they're in real danger. Like I I just got the uh, the, the the inks back for 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 page sixteen of uh, of my cyberpunk book I'm putting out right now. They look amazing. But like we've got this thing where they're on a road and somebody's like tossed a bunch of grenades out in front of them in the car. They've got grenades going off everywhere, right? Now the reader knows they're in an armored armored car, but these explosions look like they are going to mess this car up. And the car already got shot with a grenade launcher once, so you got one of the windows has this all cracked to shit. And it's like, you know, it 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 does look like they're in danger. It, it like if one of those grenades, if it had made it out of the car, the car would still blow up, whether it's an armored car or not. Yeah, yeah. they're facing their mortality, which is the the relatable part of it. Yeah, and while this is going on, they're actually trying to jump a drawbridge. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's like you know, these these are the things that that, that 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 I think about, and 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 I think that when you have come from a GMing background or GMing, um, you're more likely to think of those things, and and I think those are the things that really matter, and 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 some of those aspects are the things that pull me out of the story when it, when I when I read a comic book, where you know, it doesn't feel like the writer understands the mortality of the character is that he really understands how this equates to real life because he's never had those experiences. Right. And when you run a role-playing game, and stop me if I get yammer on too much, but when you're running a role-playing game, it's almost a substitute for life experience. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I could see that. I've never been in a war, but I've ran enough people through those heavy combat scenarios that at least I've got a clue. That's like the flight simulator where like, if you play it enough, you can actually land a plane. <laughs> so that reminds me of... Yeah, and, and but but I do have some real life experience too. Like I've actually, um, like I, I'm one of the few people that that can tell you what it's like to be inside of a trash compactor when it's been turned on. Holy shit! Oh man. Yeah, yeah. When it happened, I uh, I'm actually funny because I'm actually only a few thousand feet away from where it happened, and um, and uh, like the first thing that went through my head was now I know how Luke Skywalker felt. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good scene. Yeah. <laughs> that that's no joke. That is really what I. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Okay, Woody. So when you're when you're when you start to build a campaign for um, players, um, where where do you usually lay your foundation? How do you start? um, Do do you have like a ground up sort of deal? Or I know you like to have the end game in mind, but where do you go from there? Well, okay. So so the the first point of 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 entry is what's the world you're playing in, right? Yes. Because you're either playing in an established setting like Star Wars, I'm doing right now, or Zendikar. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, or you are going to create something from scratch, and you know there's no wrong answer. It just it just you got just got to know where your starting point is. And um, I personally, I think it possibly works a little better if you're working from something established. Um, though, though I've certainly created enough, enough enough settings of my own. But like you know, right now I'm, I'm not as inclined to create new settings because it's just a lot of work. Um, and, it is. And, and I have a yeah, lot of my definitely play. a lot of work. But. but um, you know, okay, so like you need to understand your setting, and it, and it sometimes, it, depending on what you're trying to do, it can act. It, it, it may be better to do something that, that your friends are familiar with, right? Like we were doing the World of Warcraft RPG at one point, and that was successful. Everybody knew that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, that works. Yeah, and and it, it, it was a kick. Let me tell you. But um, so you know, you got to have your setting in mind, and then from there, you know, you kind of get a general idea of what kind of story you want to tell. And then you figure out what characters are going to be available. You know, like what's the mix of races, what's the mix of character classes, mm-hmm. and then, and then you turn your friends loose, and you go, okay, um, this is what's available. What are they going to make? And you, you know, you you 
you really don't know what you're going to end up with until you've actually seen what the cast is. And then, because, like, you've got your general idea, you kind of know what you want to do, but, like, the thing is, is your friends are going to go off those plot rails in the first or second game session, and I actually personally like to evolve the story around them. Like, I, I, I have an idea, but ultimately, it, the story is actually will evolve, and, and, and I don't usually know what the... In terms of just creating an, an RPG scenario, scenario, I don't usually have the end game in mind until about the fifth fifth game session. Mm, okay. okay. And but but at that point, once once things, you know, started to come together, then 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 we're we're off to the races and start really building something. Yeah, five sessions is enough time to get into a pretty good groove. Yeah, you get a feel for well, what your players do well, and who they are. Well, a, a lot of it also comes from the fact that that that, that I basically. Um, I kind of have this pencil. I, I, maybe I'll finish it eventually, but I've kind of got this thing, what I call the, the axioms of GMing. And axioms, if you guys aren't familiar with the word, is basically just a term that basically means these are the natural laws of this thing that you're doing. Right. Wh- wh- whether it's science, whether it's you know how to write a book, you know, or how to create a TV show, you got all these basic rules of it, right? And I and I've noticed over the, the course of my, of my career as a GM that there are basically certain certain basic rules that that determine how RPGs go. And the closer you can adhere to some of these things, the more success you're going to have. But some of it also just goes to the fact that there are certain behaviors you can predict. <laughs> and it, it's just how it always will be for some reason. And, um, y- you know, it's kind of like, you know, w- one of those is is that you cannot create an NPC and expect an NPC to survive. The one that survives is the one you never expected will survive. Right, you know, so like, like you throw a bunch of villains at the wall. The ones that sticks is the one that lives, and <laughs> that's kind of, kind of that guy is probably going to become the antagonist because it's like, you, you know, well, anyways, there's a whole thing to this, but it's like, you know, you're looking the villain you you want in your story is Scorpius from Farscape or 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 like Gollum from um, from from Lord of the Rings, like the ultimate. Um, scale of a GM in terms of creating a villain is to craft a character that can then be who can be having once tried to kill the party is now a member of the team and they know that they can't trust him but they're willing to work with him yeah they need him for something uh, that makes me think of Vegeta from right. from yeah. Dragon Ball Z oh yeah <laughs> all those guys Piccolo yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah be, be, because like if you can accomplish that and 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 you can't force it. It has to become it has to be natural organic. But if you can, if you can hit that, you're you're kind of on your way. That is a pretty good, pretty good one. I like that. Yeah, that'd be pretty yeah, hard to orchestrate too. Because it's like, if if your players are invested enough in what they're doing and the characters and the story, that those kinds of plot developments actually matter to them, where they will actually indulge in that kind of, in, in something that is that closely hewing to real life. You know, you're on the right track. Yeah, I would say so because I think a, a, a lot of players would be just super inclined to kill the bad guy. Why? Because he's a bad guy or she's a bad guy, <laughs> and like they don't think about it. You can, and, you can do yeah, that outside of the black and white of good and bad, and just like this is a game, so I play to win, thus kill bad guy. So. And, and and that's also part of it comes into it to another rule that I have is that, um, like, if you look at it from the viewpoint of the GM controls everything, okay, he controls the world, he controls the threat, the value of everything. That means that if the players' characters are alive, the only reason they're alive is because the GM hasn't killed them. True. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can kill anyone at any time, any character, and it and nobody will ever know you did it on purpose. 
if right. you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so therefore, logically, your role as the GM has to be, or it's not to kill the characters, it's to challenge them. Right. Right. And if, if, if the characters don't make it to the finish line, well, one, you, you can't tell your story. And two, you know, they're never going to be invested because if somebody's on their fifth character, then that means that guy is not invested in the story. Oh, yeah. Right. He's just dying constantly. Jeez. Yeah, like it's it's okay if one or two get killed. There needs yeah. to be a you know a real threat there. Right. They, they need to know that somebody could go at any time. But the point is, is that um, if you know if if you're killing people off that quickly, then all you're basically doing is running the D and D red box. Right, <laughs> and you know it's a balancing act between keeping it challenging enough that the the reward of uh, succeeding is sweet and. Yeah. Making it so it's not too easy, and they're just mowing over everything. Yeah, I'm sure accidents happen, though, right? Like, some, oh yeah, someone's gonna yeah. die. The, some, the dice will kill you sometimes. <laughs> well, getting back to a classic example, right? Like, and 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 this is kind of a he should have known better scenario. <laughs> okay. And and um, you know, so this I don't mind, but like in in one of our in our first Star Wars campaign that we did, one of the players basically got himself possessed by a Sith Lord and basically ran for three or four sessions <laughs> as an enemy of the party. Oh, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And they had, and the rest of the guys had to get together and kill him. Oh, oh wow. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, like, like he was, you know, they, they had invaded the Sith Temple. This guy had got a hold of, like, this artifact, and, you know, he, he had basically thought that he had acquired force powers as a result of it, and actually, I'm like, okay, dude, you're actually possessed. So, <laughs> oh, man. And... And that's the possess. You know, in Star Wars, when you're possessed, you're fucked. You know, like right. that, that's it. You're you're you are done. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last thing is like the possession is, is a Sith, or it was a dark side technique. Yeah. And when they do it to you, that's probably it for your character. That's a, like a permanent installment. It's not like you can exercise this demon. Right. And well, you, you could in theory, but like you know, it's it's just it's in in general. Just in general, when, when, when that happens, you, you better start rolling some dice and making somebody else. So, uh, you know, that's, but, but see, that, that that was that scenario. And, and fortunately, it happened to the guy who's got a really good attitude. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah. He's chipper about running a new guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no he, he actually, he thought that was a great plot, plot twist. Yeah. Cool. Because character death so, can hit a player pretty hard sometimes, you know. It's, it's yeah. never fun to see your character die, you know, even in the best circumstances. Well, when we were playing World of Warcraft, I was playing a wizard, and you know, it was um, we had we my friend was doing a bang up job as a GM, but there were a few little things that were kind of off here and there. You know, he he, he was, you know, as he had put it, I, I'm, a, I'm a tough act to follow, and um, which that's a nice compliment. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> things where where my character basically died three times, and I I leveled down, and it was just I leveled down too much, oh, and rough. so it was just like even though I, I I was able to get resurrected, it was just. At that point, it, the character wasn't playable anymore yeah, because no, I would have been taken too long to get caught up, and it was you know there, there was no way back. That's too bad. So I, I I just retired the character and brought in somebody else, and I enjoyed the other character much more. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. good. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, it, it I, I had already created that this character's brother. Um, it, it was basically a toss up between the paladin and the wizard. I went with the wizard, and then um, and then and then I brought in the paladin. You know, when when the wizard w- you know was out. And, you know, the two characters, I had painted them as brothers. So I, I, I brought in the brother to pick up where, where the wizard left off. And, you know, I had a great time. That's good. Cool. Nice.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, I just wanted to thank you all for listening and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it a lot, definitely. Um, Before we plug ourselves, we want to tell you about a a podcast we're a fan of called The Stubborn Heroes. It's a real play 5th edition D&D podcast set in the world of Varian, an adventure of action, mystery, intrigue, and humor that we highly recommend. You can find The Stubborn Heroes on SoundCloud.com slash Stubborn Heroes on iTunes, and you can follow them on Twitter at Stubborn Heroes. So we want to go ahead and take this opportunity to plug ourselves. Um, you can find our podcast on SoundCloud.com slash TheDungeonCast or anywhere you can download podcasts from, including iTunes. Uh, you can search us on YouTube, or you can tweet at us at the TheDungeonCast. And uh, once again, we really appreciate all the listens. We really appreciate all the feedback, and we really appreciate the support. It means a lot that everyone is uh, enjoying the show out there listening, and uh, we just really want to thank you. Can't say it enough. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank everybody. Um, I wanted to, before we end this bump, just drop... I already announced this on Twitter, but we are doing an ongoing raffle where our first 100 subscribers on YouTube, uh, as long as they leave a comment as well as subscribe, they will be immediately entered into a raffle where we are giving out a signed copy of Volo's Guides to Monsters. So if you want to get in on that, uh, the window is closing. We are closing in on 100 very rapidly. I would suggest you go there right now. Go ahead and subscribe. Check out one of our videos. Leave a comment, and you'll be entered. So it's going to last as long as... uh 
as it takes to get to the 100 subs, yeah? Yes, but I don't. I think it'll be over within a week, probably, of this dropping. It's it's closing in. <laughs> I've been I've been keeping an eye on it. And it's getting close. So everybody, get on the, get on the Twitter, see what's going on. Um, get on the YouTube, leave a comment, like Will said, and subscribe to us, and you'll be entered for a free copy of Volo's Guide signed by us. Woo! All right, let's get back to the show. All right, thanks a lot. See ya. I guess uh, here, here's one. I think this is important to crafting a campaign and uh, storytelling is uh, we talked about the ending and we talked about the development of characters over the course of the story. Uh, how do you go about with the setup or the starting of a campaign as a as a DM? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very important part. And then also, how does how does how does that differ for how you set up a story uh, that you're writing uh, in, in comics? Well, OK, so when you're writing comics. Uh, again, is in, when, when you're actually writing a story just from scratch, you do need to know where it's going to end, right? And and when um, when when you're writing a doing a role playing campaign, you probably don't know where it's going to end. You might have an idea, but right, your is going to change. Yeah, you don't dictate what actually it. happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but 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 the thing is is like between the two, the actual in terms of just like the storytelling aspect of it, where there's GMing or writing. You know, you still have the same problem. Is that um, your goal? You know, you have to very quickly create a set of circumstances where, um, where, where the people feel like they have a personal connection to the story, right? And mm-hmm. it's easier to do when, when when you have a group of characters that you've created from scratch, and you can just you know you can just work those details. But then with a group of players, you 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 have to get the players um, to basically invest themselves in the story and yeah. so one of the things that i do is is, is i actually give an, a, a, an award of some kind to players that turn in a written backstory and yes mm. probably not much experience not, probably not experience points but I'm, I've, I've been able to do that but it's like okay well you can have this minor magic item at the start of the campaign you know um this extra little oomph for your character if you turn in a written backstory like right. hey, i usually turn in a five page oh, um, and, and then a lot of guys have turned in one page but those those details like they you know, they're really important i i've been i've been building a campaign uh just starting it out and i I've, I've been asking people like please give me something i can work with for your guy i really need some some meat on your bones man right. <laughs> sure but 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 the, the, there's also comes with the warning and you know fortunately most of the guys agree with this point and and they criticize the players that protest but it's it's basically anything that you do not set up on your backstory, you donate you don't put it in stone, GM can write for you. That's, yeah, that's fair. That's a rule. And like I make sure everybody knows. So it's like if you do not establish who your parents were, you don't establish your siblings, then you're gonna find a brother one day who's a villain. <laughs> oh crap, okay. <laughs> or, or or your mom's gonna be possessed. You know, it's like the GM will make <laughs> I will devastate your life. Like, holy crap. That's too funny. That I like it. Well well that well that's the thing, is like it's like your your family history will be set by the by the game master. Right. And if you want to turn a like a fifteen page genealogy just so that I can't fuck with you, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But um, but the thing is, is that that fifteen page genealogy will also bite you in the ass because the GM will use this. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a tool for our usage. So. But but, that's but fun. those things are, are are essential, you know, because because you you do need to have something to tie the story together and mm-hmm. if you can if you can bind your if you can take something in your story 
and make it relevant to the character, to the player. And the player, if the player cares enough about his character and his backstory, he's really invested in what he's doing. And then he runs across like, okay, so so this villain we're running across has a connection with my family, um, or or maybe the guy you know murdered my mom or something. It's like when these elements start coming up, um, you know, play, players will respond well to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in in my most recent campaign that actually Brian here plays with. Uh, I, um, what I did was I got all the players to be somehow personally, uh, invested in a specific, uh, city and they got invested a little bit in the ongoings of that city. And then I brought a calamity to that city, which upset all of them and had them all invested into the, the rest of the campaign. Now, now they're all on board for, for where this adventure is going. And yeah. so yeah, you, you want that, that catalyst, you want to get, all the entire group invested in the campaign adventure that you have in mind, and you got to do that as soon as you can towards the beginning of you guys playing. I think one one of my my my, my personal favorite and shittiest stunts I pulled mm-hmm. was I I had the players come together at this inn where um, I think they'd already hooked up to meet each other, but that they, they were basically at an inn, and I had worked out some sort of like a gambling game that 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 which group of the people could actually play together, right? Yeah. And they were ended up playing against the owner of the inn, seemingly for fun. And then, um, you know, uh, the hard part was losing on purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh, but what happened was, was that the, the owner of the inn leaves behind this bag on the table as his wager. He loses, he leaves, the game resolves. One of the players walks away with that bag. And they open it up and it has the deed to the inn in it. Cool. What? Excellent. Yes. And, and and they're like, what the? No, no, no. We're traveling adventurers. We don't want to get in this shit. Right, yeah. right. The guy had just skipped town. <laughs> oh, what? So now they own this inn? <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, that's not the best part. In, in it, the, what do we the, do with the this guy inn? Up, the guy owned like 50,000 of the mob or some. Oh, some crap. Okay. Well, oh. You know, the, the equivalent in a fantasy world. Yeah. And, and it, it was actually kind of a, uh, it was a steampunk scenario I was running oh, nice. at the time. So it had some similarities to Final Fantasy VI, uh, but it was just like, you know, suddenly these people are come looking for the money. They don't care. The money's, you know, like these guys owe, owe you know, the money's connected to the inn. They want to get it. They're going to get it from the party. Yeah, they don't care who owns the inn. They just want the cash. Oh, yeah. And and, and it, it came down to, you know, the, the, it, it, they fought it out. Right. <laughs> I was about to say it came down to a shootout, but they didn't really have guns. Anyways, but uh, <laughs> it was actually kind of funny because our, our friend Jeff had basically managed to catch, pulled out a crossbow bolt, had it to, to the throat, you know, of the of, of one of the mobsters, and they're all surrounded. And he's like, "You know what? I'm going to do it." He, and you know, they're they're in a Mexican standoff. So like, I'm going to do it. He freaking just shoves it up in the dude's head, and that thing's on. Oh, oh man, <laughs> some bold action. That's a pretty cool and unique story hook. I like that one. The the whole yeah, and, drop and the deed on them. That's how things began. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's um, that that was one of my short lived campaigns. It didn't quite, um, you know, it's one of the scenarios where life got in the way and it. I wasn't able, personally, I wasn't able to keep the creative drive going long enough. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where I, I kind of got got the world just sitting there because I eventually I'm going to come back to it and do a comic book that takes place in that world. So, oh, nice, very cool. Uh, but you know, I've, I've I've got got some fun stuff there, but it's just it's kind of one of those little things I've got in my back pocket one day when I, you know, need need to do something fun. Yeah. But I, I know I did something right because like, every once in a while the old grudges from that campaign come up. Yeah, yeah, I imagine it was pretty memorable. Um, oh, that... yeah, well, one of, the, one of the characters was mutating out of control and oh, went gone crazy. And so he was hanging from, from an airship 
and, and, and was basically going to snipe the bad guy. And then while he was hanging there, Ben, the guy who, who, got, who got possessed in the Star Wars game, he's like, he's, he saw his opportunity and he let go of the rope. And, and, got, and, and so they got rid of their problem. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. <laughs> that's too funny. And, and the player who played that character got back at everybody because he, he resurrected that character later on in another game as the main villain that we were fighting. Ooh, holy crap. I like that. So, That's cool. So, so when that player became a GM, he brought he brought his his character in mm-hmm. to basically screw with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I think that. that's pretty cool. It, yeah, it had a certain amount of symmetry, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um uh, so we're getting pretty close to time, so before we get out of here, uh why don't we talk a little bit about where our viewers can find your stuff and uh, yes. talk a little bit about what you're working on like currently. Plug yourself. Let's do this. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, let's, let's, let's plug that hole. So um, my, my main project right now is called Cyber Symbiosis, which you know, we'll, I'll, you guys have links to that, but it's a, it's a cyberpunk uh, comic book that I've been, I've been working on. Um, the first issue is set to wrap up. I'm trying to do the mental math. Um, it will soon. It, it should be around March, I think. Uh, beginning of March when the first issue wraps up online, and um, you know I'm I'm backing it through Patreon. It's actually kind of like uh, I, I'm I'm going through an evolution of my comic book career because you know you're trying to 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 basically approach Marvel Comics or IDW or something. Go hey hire me, and they're like eh, you're small time. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to break into that industry. Yeah, so so what I'm doing actually is I'm I'm um, I'm, I'm shifting my focus entirely over to. Uh, basically developing a, a fan base through through Patreon and yeah. f- f- funding my books that way. And so my my goal is is to basically, I mean, because because I, you know, I I make enough money at my job, right? So it's like my goal is to actually just fund the arts. And I, I want to get as much as uh, try to get five comic book series running every month. And right now I have three. So um, nice. But you know, the, right now the, the money is, is going toward, towards my, my cyberpunk book, and that one's one I'm really excited about. I actually have a 50 issue storyline in mind for that one, so I'm really hoping I get to that finish line. That's impressive. Yeah, definitely. I hope you. I hope you do also. Yeah. So where where can our uh, fans find your stuff? Like, what are some well, links uh, they can go to? So you you can view that comic book at the website uh, conwaytheseries.com, and and the. Um, and then we're also uh, there'll be links to my other books on that site. I actually need to do a little bit of work on the site, but everything right now works just fine, you know. And, and you, you 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 can read all the pages every Tuesday. And then I also have um, a mutant animal fantasy book, which is kind of like a love letter to the original Black and White Ninja Turtles comics. And cool. I'm also doing one, which is a screen capture comic, which is uh, basically it's based on the the gamers film series and Journey Quest. Um, if you're fans of those films, it all makes sense when you read it. It's it's written for fans, but it's, it was like just something I wanted to do because I really was passionate about it. And um, I also wanted to give a little bit a bit of a plug to the guy that's doing my T-shirts. Yeah, um, absolutely. There, yeah, there's a company called uh, Emerald Empire Clothing, and uh, um, when, when I do the next update on my website, I'll I'll, I'll be posting a um, you know um, uh, that all the T-shirts will will, will, will be up, but. Um, Anyways, it's it's basically uh, I was able to come up with a really good deal with a guy who could make the shirts I wanted to make and wouldn't tell me no because there's too many colors on them. Ah. Yeah, we're, we're we're really happy with those, and um, he's actually basically hired me and my my group to do all the pop culture shirts for his site. Oh, so, nice. 
yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have some, some fun stuff coming up pretty soon. But oh. I've got one right now with the Infinity Gauntlet flipping you off. Oh. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, that always makes me laugh. <laughs> so, Sweet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, really what, what I'm, I'm hoping is I just, I'm, I'm hoping to get people to, to back my Patreon um, so I can keep the comic book going forever. Um, and if anyone that does back the Patreon by the end of February will receive the first issue for free um, with a uh, with a special edition cover entirely for Patreon backers. Very nice. And um, another thing, I'm I'm not officially starting this until uh, February, but the, those wood burning projects I do, I'm actually going to put those up as reward level as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, w- w- which is going to be for 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 the ten dollar backer level, but um, or or twenty five if you want something really awesome. But uh, so if you want to like you know do a cool gift for your mother, that could be a cheap way to go about it. It's a lot you know a lot easier than forking over two hundred dollars for something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, an idea. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna call it a game. We're gonna draw this to an end. So Woody Arnold, everybody, uh, writer of Cyber Symbiosis. Yeah. Oh, anytime, we we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. Uh, it was great talking to you. Excellent. Very okay. good. I'll go ahead and uh, drop links in the comments on both our YouTube and on SoundCloud so our viewers will be able to go and check out your stuff. Thanks. And and if 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 you send me a link to this, I'll make sure to do the same for you guys when, when, when it posts. Will yeah, do. absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Have, have a nice night, gentlemen, and I would love to talk to you again in the future. Yeah, we'll Sounds definitely good. set something up, Woody. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey everybody, I just want to thank you all for listening and supporting us. We really appreciate it. Oh yeah. <laughs> do, do, do that again, do that again. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.